Welcome back to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, basically what you need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists, but also physical therapist students who are looking to basically grow your fundamentals, but also still have time to do the other things in life that you need to do. So for today, what we're going to be talking about are growth plates. So with growth plates, obviously we're talking about adolescents and, and our kiddos, right? Because by the time you're an adult, these have closed. So we don't really think of them as problems. Other things take our attention more readily. So in this episode, we're basically going to be talking about you know the things that go wrong with growth plates and some examples of them, and then things that we can do to help with that. All right, so let's begin. What is a physis? So when we're looking at our bone, think all the way back to developmental when we have a cartilage model that we start forming into our long bones. We have our primary ossification center in the diaphysis of the bone. And then once we're born, we have the beginnings of our skeletal system, but at the ends of the long bone in your epiphysis, we have secondary ossification centers. So this allows us to keep growing and growing as young kiddos and teenagers until we finally reach our final stages as an adult. So these obviously can get injured, right? So these are things that are important to remember in regards to, hey, children are not many adults. And even though we hear more and more in you know, the news and our research about the increase in year-round training in our little kids and them specializing in sport at a young age. Um, these increases in training and involvement and intensity can have an impact on kids differently than they would in adults. And so if you are treating this patient population, these are special things that you need to consider in your treatment for them or how you can advocate for them in the community itself. Okay. So now that I'm off my little soapbox, we will just get started on what is a physis. So again, we're talking about the growing parts of the bone. So the epiphysis, there's different epiphyses, uh, traction epiphysis and pressure epiphysis. Okay. So a traction epiphysis is also known as an apophysis. And basically this is just the site of attachment of major muscle tendons to bone and Typically, that's where we see more tensile forces. These contribute to the bone shape, but not longitudinal growth. Therefore, if you injure this part, we're not really as much concerned about disrupting longitudinal growth, right? It doesn't play a role in that, so it's not going to be a factor in that. Now, when we're looking at pressure epiphyses, these are located at the end of our long bones, and this is more of where you're going to see compressive forces, so traction epiphyses or apophyses are more tensile. Pressure epiphyses are more compressive. Now the growth plate is between the epiphysis and the metaphysis. So it's pretty important for endochondral ossification. But if you injure this part, we're looking at a growth disturbance potentially. So why do we see this in kids? Well, for one, kids have growth plates. So you have to have a growth plate open to have a growth plate injury. But that growth plate cartilage is a lot less resistant to stress than it is an adult articular cartilage. So an adult could have the same energy, the same injury mechanism, but they're more likely to, let's say, have a complete tear of a ligament or a joint dislocation rather than a growth plate separation. Now, in our growth plate 
tissue, that cartilage, it's less resistant to than the adjacent bone to shear and tension. So the body is going to take the path of least resistance, right? We may see more of a decrease in physical strength during pubescence. And so therefore it's something to be mindful of with the type of load and stress we are adding to that area. Now, Keep in mind too, during development, our, our, the pace and growth of our bone outpaces the growth of our muscles and tendons. And so with a growth spurt, there is a theory that that temporary disparity in the muscle response to bone growth can cause an increased muscle tendon tightness around the joint and therefore cause more injury to this area because of that. This is a little bit more controversial, but I you know, it is something that you should keep in mind in the clinic when you're looking at the patient that's right in front of you, right? So some risk factors that go into this age, physical characteristics, growth patterns, and the training volume. Now there are different types of epiphysis, right? But there's also different types of injury. We have acute and we have chronic. And in acute, think more physical fracture. And this typically happens in the hypertrophic zone. So that fracture can be anything from like a fall or just even participating in competitive sports. In research, we often see football as one of the more reported mechanisms of injury, but other sports, this can happen in too. Now for chronic, we see more so repetitive loading that can alter the metaphysial perfusion and interfere with the mineralization of hypertrophied chondrocytes. Um, and so essentially we're loading a tissue over and over and over again past what it is necessarily ready for. And this can actually cause that zone to widen in its growth plate, but it's usually temporary. So examples of chronic injury, we'll go through that a little bit more. So talking about lower extremity examples, Oscar slaughter, that's a chronic apophysitis of the patellar tendon where it inserts on the typical tuberosity epiphysis. We see this a lot more in like girls 8 to 13 years old and boys 10 to 15 years old. Uh, Severs disease, we see this in the Achilles tendon insertion into the vertic vertical calcaneal epiphysis. Um, and this we see a lot more in like boys 8 to 12 years old. Obviously, we can see this in girls too. Sending larsen johansson syndrome is not as frequently cited in our research as Oxford-Slaughter and Severs disease. But um, you can still see it, especially like ages 10 to 15 years old. But that's where we're looking more so at the junction of the inferior pole of the patella and the proximal portion of the patellar tendon. So in our upper extremity, we see things like gymnast wrist. So this is basically a premature closing of the distal radial physis after excessive compression loads in the upper extremities and weight-bearing. So hence the name gymnast wrist. We see it a lot in our gymnasts because... They're doing a lot of repetitive, closed chain, full weight bearing through their extremities, right? Um, and we'll see this a lot ages 10 to 14 in that population. Uh, now, little league shoulder, this is like the widening of the proximal humoral epiphysis. We see it a lot more in the dominant shoulder because it's thought to be due to repetitive rotational and traction stress with overhead throwing. And we'll see it a lot in our kids that are like 11 to 15 years old. Same thing in uh, Little League Elbow. We see it in that same age group, but it's more repetitive traction injury to the medial epicondylar epiphysis. All right, so what can we do? We can't really control the timing of growth spurts, of body size, someone's chronological age, or even if they have a history of a previous injury, because in this, in this instance, 
History is a strong predictor for development of future injuries. But things that we can control are like the flexibility of the patient or the strength um, or like their training volume and coaching styles. So are there things that we can pick up that are causing unnecessary stress to the tissue that we're trying to offload? Can we alter that by you know, adjusting form or adjusting strength, things like that. Can we educate our coaches and our, our community on how important it is to have an effective training system? Can we add variety to someone's training programs? Can we make sure people are taking a couple months off each year to just rest and recover like active rest? I mean, um, but you know, if they get to this point, a lot of treatment strategies are centered around an extended period of rest, of active rest, I should say. And this can be anywhere from four to six weeks to three to five months. It, it just depends on the diagnosis, the sport, and the severity. And then once they go through this, you'll see a lot of times people go through a throwing program or a running program, things that are designed to slowly build the body back up to the stress that it was meant to handle before. Okay. So there we have it. Growth plate injuries, the types that we have based on the anatomy of the bone and the types of injury based on the anatomy itself. So if you have any questions, please reach out. Um, you can get in touch with me on Instagram at PT Snacks Podcast, or just shoot me an email at ptsnackspodcast.gmail.com. Um, I love to hear from you guys. And likewise, if there's any topics that you want me to go over, I'm all ears. But this one was inspired just by a, a guest lecture that I taught. I realized this is something that we talk about, but it's easy to forget about when you have that patient in front of you or the implications of how we can be a part of our community as a, a valuable resource to just help prevent these injuries from happening in the first place. So if you haven't already, go ahead and hit subscribe just so you don't miss any future episodes. Um, you know, feel free to write a review. Let me know how I'm doing. And hopefully you think I'm doing okay, but <laughs> this podcast is meant to be helpful to you. So you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday and until next time.